This is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. James Ewart just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you on the internet. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Well, Leslie Frazier is the first name that we really know of who's been added to the Seahawks coaching staff. He's going to be an assistant head coach or an associate head coach, something along those lines. I like it. Yep. I'm pumped that Leslie Frazier is going to be here. He's like one of those guys. I don't know that I necessarily need him to be a head coach, but brilliant, right? Brilliant mind defensively gets his guys to play hard. Isn't that like exactly what you want? Plus all the veteran experience, et cetera. I kind of like this. Yeah, I think there you go. I think that last box just incredibly respected by his peers and that would be the fellow coaches. I think he's going to command incredible respect right away, Salky, from players. And when you're 36 years old, not, again, too undifferent from Sean McVay, mm-hmm. who was who this guy has been compared to the offense of Sean McVay. Remember, Sean McVay's big, big hire was Wade Be Phillips. Phillips. And Wade Phillips is going to handle the defensive side. That's obviously, you know, Mike McDonald made it clear he's going to call the defensive plays. Leslie's a defensive guy. But to just have another set of eyes, to have wisdom, to have people that have been in the room before kind of reminds me, and I, I think a minute into the show, I should probably confess what I did this weekend. I mean, I, 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 I bet, but maybe I shouldn't because <laughs> confession means your heart really wants to confess. And I don't really know if I want to do well, this. Well, as you know, Brock, confession is uh, bad for reputation, good for the soul. Correct. Correct. And I was at a, a men's conference. I don't know, about 1,400 guys got a chance to MC it. So I'm kind of in and out leading the different speakers, re- responding, 1400. reacting. 1,400 guys. It was awesome. And where, they were, where does something like that happen? Oh, just, you know, just at the, just at the church. Just a cool deal, wow. man. Yeah. So it was, it was really cool. And, and, you know, mostly, mostly older men, middle-aged like you and I and older, <laughs> but there were certainly some, some young guns out there. <laughs> And anyhow, um, Peyton was kind enough to sign five footballs. And my job was to find a creative way to give them all away. Okay. So, you know, and uh, the, the, you know, the lead guy's like, yeah, man, just do whatever. Just do you. Just do what, you know, like your radio show. Just do whatever you want to do. Just have some fun with it. Hmm. You know, you can certainly throw it to the guys in the audience. And I was like, whew. I've seen that before. Broken fingers. You well, make sure you yeah, get I like think a... Ray, Ray Roberts was at this men's retreat that I was at with Jim Zorn and Jeff Kemp. And the seriously, the lead pastor was like, why don't you guys just throw it? Guys are going to want to catch it. And they're going to want to, you can throw them hard. I'm like, I don't know mm. if that's a good idea. It's not a good idea at all. It's not a good idea at all. Yeah. Yes. You so, have to sign a waiver. Yeah. So I did do that, but I did it very, you know, very casually. Okay. And, and I had a big old boy. He told me he's a former left tackle, which I said, that's obvious to everyone. And oh. that was a pretty good laugh. And uh, so we, he, he had Bobby a shaming at the men's yes. retreat. It's great. Well, then, then there was an acronym that was taught. And so I, and it was five different letters. And I, so just to the crowd, okay, what was this? What was that? What was the A? And so I, and the, I think these guys thought they were all going to win the five footballs. Oh, oh no, 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 no. You got to compete, man. You know, we're here to, to get after it too. So they came on stage. And they had to push up plank, and whoever lasted the longest. This was your idea. This was my idea. Yeah, no kidding. And dudes loved it, except for one problem. Except for one problem, one of the guys had a broken arm. He came up like the fugitive with a broken arm, and I was like, "So, you can't one arm plank?" 
And I think that probably pushed the envelope a little too far. A little bit, yeah. That's where I needed a Leslie Fraser to be like, hey, listen, young buck. Too I know much. this is your first time doing this. Wow. But oh this is probably too I gotta tell much. you, of, of all compete. the stories and, and uh, analogies you've ever yes. made, that one might be the biggest reach. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> that might be the uh, biggest reach I've uh, ever. Like, I was waiting for it to come back around and curious how it was going to relate to Leslie Fraser. Yeah. That might be the biggest reach well, of your I career. Just maybe need a little wisdom. That's all I'm saying. I maybe I need could somebody, use some in the radio department as well. I that may, was a reach. I maybe needed someone to say maybe not a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, I could have done that for you if you but, just if you just asked whether that story made but, sense to take that long but, telling. Dude, but I would have absolutely told you no. Dude went for it. Dude went for it, and he hung in there, and he didn't finish last on one one arm. He had his other arm in a sling, and he hung in there like you know one arm push up for quite yeah. some time. All so. right. Had a great time, 1,400 men. And when you get around that well, many six men. Six minutes in, what do you think of Leslie Frazier? Yeah. What well, I told you. That was a one-way six minutes. That was three and a half. Thank you. I started at 7.02. I looked at my watch. Thank you very much. It was three and a half. And uh, I think I think it was wise to bring an old soul into the building. Yeah, I if, would you're an old, if you're an old soul, you're 36 still. You're 36. You've been in this league a decade. Yeah. You haven't been in it three or four decades. I had kind of a shorter analogy. I just said it was sort of like Manny Acta coming in with Scott Service. Yeah, but they're similar age. They're not that but far Manny apart. had been a had been a Manager. twice had managed teams. And yep. I think that, you know, Scott, who not only when he first came in, not that he was young, but mm-hmm. had never managed at all or even yep. really been on the major league staff. He had been entirely working in the player development side of it. So, you know, yep. come back around and, and, and get him a Manny Acta. And by the way, it turns out that Manny learns as much from him as Scott learns from Manny. And I think That's... Manny would tell you that he's a totally different person today and has a different take on managing than he was before he met Scott or not met him, but started working with mm-hmm. Scott on a, on a regular basis. I, I think this may end up being similar. I'm excited for Leslie Frazier more than anything. I'm excited that the Seahawks are going to be new. I'm really, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting myself more and more excited for the idea that they're going to be new. I'm pumped about Frazier. I'm pumped that they seem to be looking all over the map for coordinators and assistant mm-hmm. coaches, there doesn't seem to be one common thread. Some guys are older, some guys are younger, some are in college, some have been around the league. They seem to be looking all over the place. And, you know, I'll use the word diversity. It's become obviously a buzzword for mm-hmm. lots of different reasons, but diversity in background, coaching background, I think is a really interesting way of, of putting together a staff and when you don't have a million connections in the sport, I think this is a really, really cool way to go about it. Yeah, do you think it's telling that unlike that Wade Phillips analogy with Sean McVay, who was going to coach the other side of the ball, mm-hmm. this guy coaches the same side of the ball. Yeah. And by the way, had multiple other opportunities. There were there were other other organizations that were not going to hire Leslie as a head coach. Obviously, those had all been field, filled, but maybe as a D coordinator. And that's not going to happen here. He's not uh, not going to have that title, no. right? It's going to be Mike McDonald's going to be the defense coordinator and head coach. Fairly telling that this guy wanted this opportunity, yeah. having been around the block enough different times. Yeah, let me go here and let me a learn something from him. He's going to learn something from me, but it's going to be a two way go. But this offensive hire is going to be the big one, the big one. Yeah, much like much like Wade was for you Mike. Think he's going to be grub. I think I I think Grub's got a great shot at it. 
I, I really do. Well, certainly if he's... the Giants aren't going to let Mike Kafka take the job. I mean, Correct. so, okay, if that's the case. Which is the their case, right to do, by the way. Yeah, I wouldn't blame mm-hmm. them. So if that's it, I mean, the other guy is what? The quarterback's coach in in Detroit. Uh, Detroit. And maybe there are other names that we haven't heard yet. I think there are. Okay. Yep, I think there are. And and I think it's going to be a pretty exhaustive search. But that's kind of the, the key one for him. That's what they always say. Mm-hmm. That's what any former quarterback is going to say. That's what John Schneider said in his Tuesday presser two weeks before hiring is, you know, like you hire an offensive coordinator, that guy's going to kind of stick here and be there. You know, you're the defensive coordinator. You're the defensive head coach. You got to get this hire right. And, and, and it's got to be a hire that you can't be worried, Salk, about, wow, if he does so good, mm-hmm. he's going to get interviewed elsewhere and he could leave us. You don't worry one bit about right. what's to come. You make sure you get the best guy. Yeah, and I think if there was a little more run game in Ryan Grubb's stats or perception, if it wasn't just throwing it all over the yard, which is what their guys have done at a really high level, I think this would be his. So I think they're probably digging in to make sure that that run game will complement certainly his passing style. 253 says, hey, could Brock tell us a story about Oma's meatballs and then somehow relate them to the new Mariners' new reliever? Yeah. Yes. So He's going to do that in Oma Need to Know Next. was more about the tongue. She cooked beef tongue. Ah. And it was the first time I saw like, I got a whole right. story about this. Well, then, tell, uh, you, yeah, tell me uh, how it relates to, to, uh, <laughs> to Santos next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, Mike McDonald, John Schneider, been at the Senior Bowl basically all weekend, and I'm sure very busy trying to get everything done. So not a lot of announcements on the coaching staff front, but I'm going to guess they were busy working on it. Longtime defensive assistant and head coach Leslie Frazier reportedly signed up to be the assistant head coach, and I would think he'd play a large role on the defensive staff, obviously. And I wonder if he's one of the, you know, uh, can help them with the coaching search, having mm. filled out coaching staffs of his own, I wonder if he could be helpful in that regard. Yeah, I think so. Just a just a, a wise sounding board that's been there and done it and seen it all. And most recently in Buffalo with with the team that well, found a, a pretty good quarterback and uh, has been on the verge of, of greatness, just not able to take that next step. I, I love the fact that he had multiple options and wanted this one. Mm-hmm. I think that's telling. Much like Mike McDonald could have had the Washington job, but he wanted this one. He wanted to be paired with this general manager in this organization with some of the young pieces that they do have. Eric Bieniemy is a name that certainly has popped up all over our text toy as well. He is going to be out in Washington. Dan Quinn actually brings in Cliff Kingsbury. There was a lot of thought that Cliff would end up in Vegas with the Raiders. He does not. So whether it is Ryan Grubb, whether it is the QB coach in Detroit, or whether it is somebody that nobody even knows quite yet, Mm -hmm. that is the uh, process that's unfolding there at Seahawks headquarters. Well, uh, similarly on the defensive side of the ball, Jonathan Jones, of CBS says it's Joe Cullen, who's the current D-line coach in Kansas City, is one of the people in play for that job. You know, you're not going to be calling play, so maybe that isn't quite as uh, appealing. appealing or as relevant or going to be as big a name, certainly, when it's all mm-hmm. said and done. But interesting that they will be hiring a defensive coordinator. In the meantime, the time spent at the Senior Bowl incredibly valuable because they're going to need the right people to play the system that he wants them to play. Lofa Tatupu on with Wyman and Bob on Friday. We need some pieces, you know, in the trenches. We, we have to have some depth there and even some bigger body types. You saw, I think, one of their smallest guys over in Baltimore was Matt Abike, who had like a career year with 11 or 12 sacks from the D tackle position. You know, so that guy's in for a big payday. And he, I mean, in the run game, in the pass game, 
he was just a monster. And so, um, you know, just getting some more body types like that, that was the lightest guy I think they had at like 305. Yeah, so Draymond, either maybe add a little muscle, play mm-hmm. outside. I think he will still be an interior guy. He, Jaron, and Leonard, I think, are some of those interior guys. But Wolf is absolutely right. Just like a Michigan, 345-pound big defense mm-hmm. tackle. You're going to see some big bodies coming through here in the months ahead. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, I don't think anyone would disagree that the offseason for the Mariners started about as badly as it could. The PR disaster, the frustrated clubhouse, the revelation that the payroll was not going to grow as expected. So I won't blame anybody if you were so frustrated that you just stopped paying attention at that point. But if you did, you've kind of missed what the Mariners have done. And without the aid of payroll flexibility, they have quietly revamped this roster, and it seems like each day they're making it just a little bit better. They took a big mm-hmm. step this weekend, acquiring one of the better relievers in the league in Gregory Santos from the White Sox. Had a phenomenal year last year. He's only 24. He's going to be here for five more years. He projects with similar type of stuff to Andres Munoz. He can certainly strike you out. Three and two. Struck him out. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Santos with sorcery. Yeah, he's got a nasty slider to go with over a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and a really good hard-sinking fastball, probably pretty similar to Munoz, honestly, in terms of what you're mm-hmm. going to see. So now all of a sudden you replace Seawald with him. If you can get one of the other pitchers you've acquired to kind of turn into what Justin Topo was last year, which is yep. sort of what they count on their pitching group to do, your bullpen's basically where it was at. Yeah, and one of those lead targets was involved early on in the uh, in the move with your third baseman, Mr. Suarez, who's a 99 to 101 mile an hour guy, just bringing another power arm mm-hmm. into the business. You're going to hear from Benetti. Uh, I chatted with Jason yesterday. He's going to join us here in about 10 minutes or so. And the story behind Santos sounds very Mariner-like. Oh, I'll really? Him, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll let him tell it. But it very much is what... This, this organization's done with relievers before, just finding that new pitch, finding mm-hmm. that new grip, finding that opportunity to say, hey, why don't we give this a shot? And man, did he take off with it last year in Chicago. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, it is super weak. It may not feel that way. And I'm sure, Brock, your eyes were glued to the Pro Bowl all weekend long. NFC defeated the AFC, apparently 64-59. to The Senior Bowl, the result probably doesn't matter that much, but the observations from practice do. Mm-hmm. And Michael Penix opted not to participate in the actual game. I don't blame him. But sounds like he had a pretty good week. He did. He did. His peers on the defensive side voted him the top quarterback on their side. Spencer Rattler on the other. Spencer Rattler ended up winning the MVP of the actual game. Bo Nix played a couple series. I mean, I get it. I'm sure there's some in the NFL that kind of like ruffle their feathers a little bit. Like, come on, man. You're here all week. Just go compete and play. It's not like you're going to get killed and going to get smashed, but I think he dealt with enough contact over the course of the season. and That already was a question mark going in, so... Duke can sling it. There is no question about it. And now he's going to get nitpicked like crazy. He's going to head to Indianapolis in the combine. He's going to go through medicals that will be maybe even more important, frankly, than the way he spins that football. All right, there you go. Uh, That's everything you need to know. I guess I should throw this one out there as well. Steve Belichick, son of Bill, is going to be the defensive coordinator for the Huskies while Pete Carroll's son, Brennan, is the offensive coordinator. Salk, we all knew that Carroll and Belichick were going to work together in Seattle. That's how the story was going to unfold. 
amazing. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in Blue 88. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is kind of crazy. I mean, just the we were talking about it before you jumped on. I mean, just the the way the intertwining way of the two of their careers is pretty fascinating. It sure is. It sure is. As is Steve Belichick. Remember his kind of meme? Oh, yeah. That, you know, yeah the, like, right. chomping on his gun. Yeah. Uh, no, like licking his yeah. teeth. And, yeah, very oral. <laughs> yep, very much uh, conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I don't like I that. that. No, yes. really, man. What's going on with you today? Is this because you were with fourteen hundred men at this no, retreat? Like, what's happening no. with you? Well, today? how would you describe it? How do you describe what you like to do? You know, I can't describe it uh, on the radio uh-huh. without talking about you know yeah. drug paraphernalia and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of stay away yeah, from that. that He's that trying too. to get a chew out of his out of his lip. Hey, man, I'll say sure. this about. Yeah, I'll let's s- go with chew. I'll say this about Jed Fish. He told us point blank one on Friday. What did he say? By Monday, we're going to have a defensive guy. Yeah, he he's was gonna right. Be, he's going to be an NFL defensive I think we dude. heard the same thing from the Seahawks. They said by April, we're going to have an <laughs> offensive coordinator. And so maybe at some point that will get done. All right. Uh, we are going to talk some Mariners here, specifically with Jason Benetti. Brock's partner doing college football on Fox, but also the voice of the White Sox. Why was the reliever projected to be the best reliever in the game this upcoming year by Fangraphs mm. available for... Prelander Baroa, a fourth outfielder in the minor leagues and a draft pick. What's going on here? That's next. I'm Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. A week ago after the Mariners traded for a second baseman, we said, all right. They've kind of upgraded most of the positions on the field, even if it's just in a small way. Mm-hmm. But what have you done to your bullpen in order to make that happen? Right. All of a sudden, your bullpen does not look great. You lost Seawald at the end of last year, and now you're subtracting Topa. And even Isaiah Campbell was, you know, a guy productive. for you. Productive. I don't know if he's like my favorite reliever ever, but he was productive. What does this look like? And, you know, they responded. And you bring in a guy this weekend from Chicago, and we're going to talk here to Jason Benetti in just a moment and learn a little bit more about Gregory Santos. But I, look, I, you can take the the projections on fan graphs or steamer or zips or whatever it is you like, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether you, you, you care too much about them, but Gregory Santos is projected to have the number one war in baseball among relievers this year. Mm-hmm. By the way, they have two others in the top 11, both uh, both Matt Brash and uh, and Munoz are both mm-hmm. projected to be in the top 11. So if you have three of the top 11 relievers in the game, plus what you had with Spire last year and a few other guys, add that to arguably the best starting rotation in the game, add that to an offense that still is not going to be elite but might be slightly upgraded from a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's been frustrating, and I know, as Shannon said a couple weeks ago, there wasn't a lot of big name action here for the fans. But it's a pretty good little offseason, considering. So let's learn a little bit more about this guy, Jason Benetti. Brock, do you know him at all? I do. Okay. I do. It's, it's always a, it's, I, yeah. It's always a little different when he's staying with Bill Walton. You oh, know, we geez. get a little we get a little different, Benetti. I think he slept. Were you in the bunk bed last night? Where where were you in the Walton house last night, Benetti? No, Benetti decided that he was going to get a hotel this time because sanity must reign supreme <laughs> when you have the Mavericks and 76ers later on today. Hi, gentlemen. Hello. <laughs> wow. That's a big day. So you do college and go right to right to the NBA? 
Uh, live from Bill Walton's home. Okay. Talk like I um they they send three monitors and we have microphones <laughs> and uh, Bill and I wow. sit in his living room just... literally with a table full of bobbleheads on the NBA app and Come we on. call a game off the monitor and no joke and our guest list is always eclectic so last week we had uh, by Zoom Ray Allen Jerry West so really good shooters wow. Hall of Famers. So you would, you know, you would guess the third guest was somebody like that. It was John Fogarty from CCR. Oh, <laughs> Bill, do you do you ever um, have you ever listened to Walton when he did Clippers Color? Like he was the regular. I've listened to some of that, and I've listened to like him on the NBA on NBC. Like there was a time when he was normal. Well, I don't know about normal. <laughs> I mean, because I lived in LA when he did the Clippers games, and there are two or three yeah. of the funniest things I've ever heard on television. I mean, I remember the Clippers beating like you know a bad Golden State Warriors team by 13 points on a random Wednesday, and Bill goes, "This is the greatest win in the history of Western civilization." <laughs> like, Oh, man, what are we talking about? The, the, so he he will literally say anything. Uh, he is the best. We were talking last year on one of these shows about a guy who had overcome a bunch of injuries, and Bill started talking about you know the thirty nine surgeries that he's had on his back and his feet and everything. And I was like, well, you know, I I understand like walking is hard for me too. He goes, what would you know about walking being <laughs> difficult? <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, that is good. He is Jason Benetti. Do you think he knows Dave Pash's name? I think he knows all of our names, that they all exist. I think that I think they go up in his mind, and there's a button that says puree, and he just makes like a big name smoothie, and it's just easier for him to say, what's your name? Who are you? That's great. All right, so speaking of who are you, who is Gregory Santos? Let's get back to the other, oh, good the other job you good have. Job. Uh, Mariners are acquired a reliever this weekend from the White Sox named Gregory Santos. Who is he? Uh, I'm only here to talk about the Detroit Tigers. So if you'd like to refer to Willie Horton or guys who played for both the Tigers and Mariners, I'm happy to do that for you. Uh, no, Greg. So, uh, yeah, this is fun. I get to talk about White Sox people and not be the voice of the White Sox. Right? How so, nice is that? Gregory. It's crazy. We got, you know, if you want to talk Tony LaRusso stories at some point, have me back on. But I will say this. I heard there uh, might be an Ozzy Gian story or two in there also. Oh, there. you got to ask Allison Williams on the show to do her Ozzy Gian impersonation. It is one of the greatest impersonations you will ever hear anybody do. But Gregory Santos is this, he he's this kind of untapped mineral I would say because he just completed his first year and you're talking about all the metrics that suggest he's going to have a breakout year. And I wouldn't disagree. I mean, he just completed his first season with a two seamer. So the White Sox pitching coach, Ethan Katz had him in San Francisco very early on when Ethan was the assistant there. And then Gregory ends up with the White Sox and Ethan converted his four seam fastball to a two seamer. And it was all about spin efficiency. So for those that are uninitiated, spin efficiency is about how much of the spin you're putting on the ball is actually contributing to movement. 
And they felt like, Ethan felt like specifically, that the four-seamer just wasn't doing as much, that the sinker paired better with the slider, as we've seen in baseball lore. And he had very good success with his slider specifically off of the sinker. So I would be interested for you guys to know whether or not, because there was some talk of maybe at some point adding a cutter mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I would be interested in what the Mariners are going to do with his pitch mix, if they're going to add one, there was some discussion of that, but I also, you know, just a second year of having the sinker full time, I think is important to him as he toys with that and plays with it. And I also think if you look down the stretch, the white Sox bullpen was like badly charred at the end of last year. They basically just didn't have horses. And so he was pitching more in terms of exposure than anybody would have wanted him to. Hmm. Any concern about a, an elbow that late in the year put him on the IL? I mean, he's a major league pitcher, so he's probably going to, you know, like, I, uh, I, I don't think so. I don't think they would have done the deal if they had concerns about that. I think that was just more fatigue than anything, fatigue-based, I would say. And, and I'm wading into territory where I haven't seen, you know, the – the MRI or anything like that. So I don't know exactly, but uh, you know, I wouldn't have imagined they would have done the deal if there was concern that was emergent, but yeah, I mean, he throws really hard and that is always a thing. So yeah, I, I, I just think it's, uh, first of all, I'm glad the Tigers don't see the Mariners until August, yeah. like get the, get all that stuff in the bullpen out. Right. Like I was talking to Brock off the air I don't think there's a bullpen with more stuff, capital S stuff, in Major League Baseball. Were you surprised? And I didn't. I'm, I'm not familiar with Steamer. Is Steamer one of these projection companies yeah, it's like as well? Zips. So, yeah. Okay. Well, there's Zips. Fangraphs kind of owns do it the. Right. Yeah, kind of kind of owns the name, and then I get Zips, and then I get Steamer after that. Were you surprised when those numbers came out and Santos was projected to be the highest WAR reliever in baseball? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's good. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to demean the guy, but I didn't watch last year and say that is the best reliever in baseball. And that's because there are really, really, really good relief pitchers in baseball. But I'm not surprised based on the stuff and based on the upside, right? So if you calculate into that, bake into that, the idea that he is just, was just learning a two seamer and you can manipulate that pitch mix. I do think the ceiling is pretty substantial and, you know, the walk rate can come down. He, he wasn't always great after getting ahead of hitters. Sometimes it kind of faded on him. The at bat did. And I just think with some more maturity of major league pitching time, there is a, there's a fantastic, arm in there there really really is yeah go ahead brock no i like manipulate pitch mix i'm gonna add that now manipulate the pitch mix. is that one of the notes you're taking today i just wrote it down because if there honestly (laughs) is one bullpen jason if there's one bullpen and and maybe this is totally myopic because we just are on the mariners and flagship for them and just study them and everything else but it sure feels like paul seawald stories matt brash stories so many relievers have come through here jason and say the same thing like this organization changed me whether it was my arm angle, whether it was my pitch mix, whether it was my spin rate. Like, I don't know. Are there other organizations in baseball is heralded for that kind of understanding as the Mariners seem to be, certainly from my perspective? 
Yeah, I think I think the Astros are on that list, especially when Brent Strom was there. I heard a lot of that going on. There are a mm-hmm. couple others, but I, I do think two components of that. Number one, you can, and I, you know, I've heard you guys talk about developing people while also going to get free agents. If you can do both, that's where the elite really happens. But I also think if you can develop pitchers that way and you are a place and I know the Tigers really want to be that for Jack Flaherty this year and that's part of the reason he signed with them is because he feels like they know something other people don't about how to regenerate his success and to that point if you can become that destination you are like Las Ventanas right Brock mm. if you can be that destination you're going to magnetize wow. people wow. to your location mm-hmm. and just wow. be the best place you can go for what mm. you want to do hey uh just as uh, a as an, as an AL central guy what what are your thoughts on Jorge Polanco uh, I am try- I'm trying to, first of all, by the end of my career, I think some people think I'm trying to go to all five spots in the American <laughs> League Central. Uh, that's not the goal. I'm going to put it on the record here on Brock and Talk. That's not the point of this. Uh, Jorge Polanco is one of those guys that when he makes contact, I have like five missiles in my mind to the pull side that got out of the ballpark within, I don't know, a second off a White Sox pitcher over the past bunch of years. I've always really liked him. And, uh, you know, the contact rate isn't always what you'd want it to be. But as a switch hitter and as a guy who has more pull side power than you would expect, I think he's a really nice piece. Uh, last thing for me is I got a little area on Fridays for the baseball uh, fellas when they come and work out. They may or may not be designated as the puke area, you know, when they get off the Versa Climber, if they really push it and they've got a puke area. When you is say there, fellas, what do you mean by that? The, the 14-year-old baseball got it. guys okay, with yes. Tyler's team. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say boys this time. That was People very, come wandering into the garage. <laughs> yes, you get very uncomfortable if I say boys. So yeah, fellas, for good reason. Yeah, they, they, they got kind of a little puke zone over there by a bush. Does Walton have an area in his yard designated as the place to go number one? Uh, it's kind of a free-for-all. Right there, there's not a lot of signage, okay? Not a lot of signage. Uh, but you just go ahead and you decide to contribute to nature however you'd like to. Because he doesn't uh, want you going, way. he doesn't want you going number one in the house, right? To save water and everything, to conserve water. So no, no yeah. point. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, he's very eco friendly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he has a comprehension that like nature giveth and nature taketh. And so I think, you know, when you get a basketball box score at the under four timeout in a college basketball game, they have the plus minus now next to the uh, the player's name. And I feel like I have a plus minus when I go to Bill Walton's house <laughs> that I just cannot take more than I give. Right. And so it's basically like renewable energy credits for liquid. <laughs> Well, as usual, Jason, all of our conversations seem to go in directions that were completely uh-huh. unexpected uh, when Brock makes a suggestion. Hey, let's get Benetti on. Uh, so thank you for that. I, I just I, I love that. I I love the indeterminism of where these will go. So uh, so thank you and have fun with Bill. 
I will say the tone you use with the word love suggests maybe no. that the definition has been tweaked a little bit in your mind. Not at all. I, I, I am okay I, with it. I couldn't. I, I really do love it. Uh, Brock suggests other guests sometimes who, uh, you know, I don't like nearly as much, and I'll let Brock know about that. Yes. So this is. Uh, Wait, this... which of his partners is on that list? Uh, which, you know, if you could just make the list real quick. I'll text you uh, off air. I'll text you. Yep, here. Right. I don't think it should be that hard to figure out, to be honest. It really shouldn't be that hard to figure out which of Brock's former partners I'm not interested in talking to. Desitor. Anyway, uh, goodbye. Thank you, Jason. It's good yes, to talk to you. Yes, See get you. after it, so goodbye. Let's go. There See you, you guys. Go. There, there's Jason Uh Man, you guys must have a lot of fun together. Uh, we have an absolute blast. And throw Allison Williams, who does a Ozzy Gian better than any. You've heard it? it? Bro, she she worked her, like her first big gig was the Marlins when he was a manager. Ah, when she does it, Benetti falls out of the car, <laughs> and I literally have to grab him. I'm like, come back here, little fella. He's you know 138 pounds. Come back in here because she is unbelievable at Aussie Gian. I would love to know what Jason actually weighs because I'll be willing to bet cash money it's more than 138 pounds. Let's get to some blue 88. This is Brock and Sog's Blue 88. Blue 88. We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, let's do a little Blue 88, starting with question one. Looks like we're going to have a Belichick and a Carroll yes. as the offensive and defensive coordinators for the Huskies this year. Steve Belichick and Brennan Carroll. Yeah. How's that going to work? Pretty cool. Well, offensively, it's going to fit and be seamless because he and Jed Fish have been together and obviously built what they built in Arizona. He's the O-line guy, OC. What a great opportunity for him to continue to find success. And this team does well. We know what happens. Coordinators go on and get head coaching jobs. And Pete will be invested. Pete will care. He will be around that program. And I, I don't even like joke about it as far as fundraising goes and events to speak at and things that – you know, alumni are going to want to be a part of football fans in Seattle are going to want to hear Pete Carroll. And uh, so they will certainly, I hate the word leverage because that sounds like use, but they will certainly have Pete around as much as Pete wants to be around. And with his son that he's super proud of, he's going to be around. I don't know if Bill will make the flight out to Seattle quite as much, but don't think Bill Belichick's not going to be involved in his son's career too. Steve Belichick, been the D coordinator there under Bill the last few years. Defense pretty darn good. I mean, you want to talk about sell, Call Trouble is about selling. Jed mm-hmm. Fish said, we're going to put together my charge to put together on paper the best class in the history of the University of Washington 2025. Adding Belichick's name to it, a former current, you know, real current, not like a 10 years ago, 20 years ago, D coordinator in this league and a productive one at that, that Jerron Mayo wanted to keep around in New England. I think that's a tremendous hire. So, yeah, both uh, obviously sons are there. Don't think the both dads are not going to be involved to some degree and invested in seeing the success of their boys. You think that there's some real advantages to being in a coaching family in the NFL or in, in football like that? Well, see, Bill compliments his father all the time and talks about cutting yeah. his teeth, right? And being on the practice field at Navy with Roger Staubach and everything. Like, you're just around it. 
That's what I was thinking. Comfortable with it. it. Not that it's the only way to reach the top, because you know. Do you think it helped Noah Eagle and Joe Buck that Ian and Jack, you know, they got to be in the booth at an early age? I think so, but I think even more so in coaching, just because of you know, it feels like it's almost like a like a mystical world that there's gatekeepers around it. And unless you know how to crack the code and really learn about the X's and O's, it'd be really hard without some sort of a family connection. Not impossible. Obviously, plenty yeah. of people have done it, but that, that family connection make it a lot easier. I, as you say that, I think of like the Tuyat Sopel family mm-hmm. with Marcus and, and all of them. I think of the Hasselback. I think of Matt and Tim, right, with their dad who was an NFL player. It just like normalizes the situation and right. also crystallizes the vision. My dad did it. I can do it. My dad did it. I can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. Is that how you feel about your dad? If he can do it, Whatever I can do it. Whatever your dad could do, you could do. Anything he can do, you can do better? Yes. And sometimes, like my father, I don't have a great filter. That will be a story off the air. Next. Question number two. Uh, brought a couple metrics this weekend uh, yeah. from the NFL. What are you looking at? Man, the NFL in its viewership is just king. Mm. And hopefully it plays into the UFL, uh, the combination of the USFL and XFL, and I think it will. I mean, both of those leagues salt fought for like a million, million and a half viewers a weekend, and all of a sudden, if all of them are just watching one league and one sport that is marketed well on both networks, hopefully those numbers continue to get driven up because everything has just been gold this year. Just look around it. You know, I was just reading this morning that that, that Fox's. Uh, Colin Cowherd show and speak for yourself mm-hmm. highest ratings in the history of their shows this January same thing for the ESPN side their televisions off the charts two more metrics senior bowl was sold out sold out down there in Mobile Alabama to watch these prospects and the last time that happened was Tim Tebow kind of a southern boy down there in 2010 so it was sold out how many were sitting in that stadium last night watching seven on seven 56,000 people Wanted to go watch that NFL Pro Bowl and and watch them in shorts and T-shirts at about three-quarter speed. And when the ratings come out, I know last year took a big dip. It was about six and a half million. Guess what? My hunch, it's going to be north of that. Those ratings are going to go up because everything this year around the NFL, talked about the NFL, storylines about it, seem to have ratings that have been the best that they have been maybe ever or certainly over the last 25 years. Interesting. All right, question number three. It was a good conversation with Jed Fish on Friday. I really enjoyed uh, talking to him and and kind of hearing his take on the world, which was, I mean, pretty blunt, I would yes. say, more than anything else. Yes. What uh, what else did you take from it? I think it was exactly that. That's, a, that's the word that I have written down here. Blunt. He's just matter of fact. Yeah. And this won't be a three and a half minute story, but I mentioned Frank Stegen a lot. He was very influential from a business perspective in my life. He was a developer down there in Soto and developed Starbucks Center. It was his vision. And what was amazing about him is he just like, here's the cards. They're on the table. This is what we're going to do. And now the president and uh, his partner were, was 180 the opposite. <laughs> you did not get any read whatsoever on him. He was a closed door in Dr. No. And the, the, you know, the back and forth between those two was sure fun for me to watch. And when Jed Fish says, this is the plan, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have an NFL guy. I'm going to have NFL people. We're going to recruit and develop guys and say, listen, the, the NFL is where you want to get to. This is the place. Mm-hmm. This is the pipeline. I've been there. Coaches on my staff have all been there. The other thing he said, Salk, and this kind of came to fruition over the weekend, I think on Friday the news dropped, that the Big Ten and the SEC 
are forming a quote-unquote alliance mm -hmm. that they put their little committees together why well it's what jed said those are the two power brokers there's espn and there's fox there's your two networks pumping in as you said billions of dollars into them and more than likely those are going to be the two that then will pluck away the ones they want from the acc from the big 12 to eventually build this super conference it's going to be a minor leagues to the nfl pretty crazy all right there you go that is today's blue 88 um yeah the whole nfl thing i i, I found myself thinking about it more last night with uh, as we were watching the grammys with the kids and i said look the grammy uh, we're at like the perfect age for that in my house yes. right now the kids are super into pop music and so because of it i know all of the pop songs and what was nominated and all of that it was all just sort of the right and i time. didn't i just knew tracy from the 90s and luke combs so it was perfect there me. was a lot of cool stuff like that honestly uh -huh. i mean like it just all the ways they 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 brought people together and generations together and the annie lennox stuff was amazing there's some really cool stuff actually at the grammys last night. i think it's one of the better award shows i've seen but you know thinking about taylor swift and just how big a deal she really is mm -hmm. we also watched the we are the world documentary this weekend yes and i guess i, I was thinking there've really been since the the advent of rock and roll in the 50s there have been four stars that have truly moved the needle beyond everybody else elvis the beatles mm -hmm. michael jackson and now taylor swift yeah like those four and you could, there's a lot of other people. Maybe you guys want to put somebody else onto that Mount Rushmore. Justin was back here saying the first two literally in sync with you. No. But then he said Madonna. I said Madonna. I no, Madonna's not big. at the same level. Not and I, Madonna's a huge no. star, but not no. Michael Jackson big. When you said no, Michael Justin. Jackson is when I was saying Madonna, because I was thinking before. Yeah. Madonna's a huge star. There's a lot of other huge stars. Yeah. This should not be. And I was like Prince. Oh, but I'm talking geez. about the ability to truly move the needle, change culture the way they did. It's those four. And she has put herself into that category. And so I was thinking about that whole, like, you know, the, the TikTok bit of she put uh, Travis Kelsey on the map. And I was thinking, you know what? I understand why every NFL fan was offended by that, because he's a fantastic NFL player. He really is. He might probably a Hall of Fame player. Arguably, if he continues, that's the greatest tight end, pass catching Absol tight end ever. Absolutely. He is a tremendous player. But did she put him on the map in a different way? Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he wants to have a television career, a movie career, something else like that after this, all of that is now on the table. Her level of stardom and fame is just unlike anything that he could have done without her. She kind of hurt me last night, though. She did? She Dropping did. her new album? No. Oh. Uh -uh. Why? I mean, just acknowledge Celine up there. Oh, I mean, Jesus. Just, just give stop Celine it. her due. She didn't stop even, it. She didn't even thank Celine. Oh, stop. She was just so into her own gang. Like, can you at least oh give God. Celine a you hug? Are, they showed much. a picture of them hugging later. Yes. Yeah. I think she maybe was caught up in the moment. She I was. also heard that Celine is, Celine is sick, and she didn't know she was allowed to, so she ignored it is what I was told. Oh, really? I've, okay. But calm down. I, I've started to you think. You need to calm down. <laughs> Here's my Taylor hot take. I've started to think that she hugs people too much. She's hugging someone every five seconds in that box. Would you like, stop judging her? I think her? I would be she's a, a little... Stop Nora, judging her. I think, this woman live her life. I think my Taylor God, Swift Nora. would... No, I, I think... Uh, Is there anything she could yeah. do that would be enough for you? Yeah, I, I said it. I'm just saying, Gosh. I think she would be too touchy-feely of a friend for me. She, oh. she hugs her friends every five seconds. I'm going to go ahead and Obviously guess that being, being too, too touchy-feely for Mora is not like a particularly high bar. Hey, are you touchy-feely at all? Yes. You're too much for me. I'm out. No thank you. We'll be right back That's on Brock and Salk.